Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. Now, my guest today probably has bigger delts than your boyfriend. She's certainly stronger by any means. Now, you may know her as probably one of the strongest females in the country, um, but maybe from the vicious rumour I've heard that they ran out of weights one time in the gym for her, so she put Jordan above her head and just did some standing military presses with him. It is the one, the only, Corinne. How are we doing? Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, really well, thank you. Um, I've just got a question for you. What's the story behind the name of the podcast? Bind, give it the beans. So... It actually goes back to my young yeah. days. I said this in uh, episode one. I was in a, I was in a, my mate's car. We were like boy racers at the time. And uh, we were in sort of fourth gear doing like maybe 50 miles an hour. And the, I was in the back seat mm-hmm. and the passenger looks at the driver and says, put it in second. And the driver goes, what? And he just goes, give it the beans. And he drops it in the second. And he <laughs> obviously goes back in the car and the rev limiter was just hitting off like the top end. So I've just got my analogy of how I train as give it the beans. Ah, I like it. Good. I'm glad I've got that, that clear. Because I was, I was pondering it earlier and I was like, I've got no idea how beans are related to training <laughs> or diet in any way. I, thought I'd, uh, I just said it. on. Uh, very excited. Always really chuffed to be invited on these things and talk and nice opportunity so yeah ask me ask me anything and i'll try to give you some uh, decent answers fantastic now for anyone listening that perhaps has been living under a rock that doesn't know much about you what i was wanting you to do would just introduce yourself you know your sort of career to date within the the competing scene but also in the coaching scene a little bit about what you guys do um for anyone out there listening that perhaps has not heard of you okay so Okay, we'll start with them. Um, I'm by JP, you would have heard of me from. Um, JP obviously stands for Jordan Peters, and he is my partner in life, uh, relationships, training, everything. Um, so that is what the uh, it offers a coaching business that in 2013, Jordan as he realised that he was quite with sort of a um, so we started it a coaching business as it developed and I had trained by JP and took on some clients of my own also started to help out with the admin and whatnot of the business and we've just kind of kept it rolling from there and now we have a nutrition line we have a clothing line and we have a subscription site so it's developed from 2013. Um, in terms of, that's kind of what I do from a, from a work perspective and from a coaching perspective. That's how it that's how it developed. Um, from a personal perspective, with um, life and competition and why I sort of turned up and and, and do this stuff, I guess. Um, so 2007, I went to university, uh, Loughborough University, and I did sports science and geography. In all honesty, at that time of my life, I actually wanted to be a meteorologist. So nothing at all to do with sport at all. But I happened to, but because Loughborough was so cool, I wanted to go to that uni, uh, being like a real eager 18 year old. I was like, right, I need to get there. So I thought, oh, I'll try my luck and do it with sports science. And I got accepted onto the course based on my um, maths A-level. So I'd never even done um, sport A-level actually, or even GCSE. 
Um, so, yeah, there I was. And then sort of very quickly, um, I noticed this. There was a strange creature um, sort of lurking around, lurking around the dorms. Um, and we would now call him JP, I guess. And, um, you know, back then he was known for his uh, bleach blonde hair and his uh, boy band kind of physique. So, um, yeah, basically we, we started our relationship um, at the end of our second year of university. Um, he had obviously been a professional rugby player. I say obviously because I'm assuming most people know that already. Um, so, but he'd then been released from from a club and started university. Had a love for weights, so he threw himself into bodybuilding because it's kind of one of the only sports, I guess, you can do at a later age. Um, you know, you can't exactly start, you know, gymnastics or, or trampolining at the age of eighteen. Um, so he he was obviously training, and and that was his life. So. Obviously, after being with him for a couple of years, I was like, do you know what? Just tell me what to do. And he took me under his wing. We went into the gym. And then very quickly, um, he realised that I was actually quite strong. And I, I put that down to sort of my gymnastics background. Um, and I just had that within me, I guess. And I, and I just really enjoyed the whole training system. Uh, within a year, we Jordan sort of turned around to me and said, do you fancy doing a powerlifting meet? And I was like, okay, cool. We had no idea what we were doing. Uh, turning up to this meet without any... I didn't even need a singlet. I didn't... Like, I don't know. I was wearing trackies. Yeah. Um, and that meet, I, I, you know, I won. Took the overall, which was ridiculous because we really didn't know what we were doing. Um, and it just um, escalated from there. A year later, I then did my first um, show on stage. I was actually in figure at that point. Uh, women's physique didn't actually even exist then. Plus, I was absolutely tiny. I was like 120 pounds and had no muscle whatsoever. So um, that was my first kind of appearance onto the stage. And I guess that was um, motivated again just through the fact that I was now living this lifestyle of diet and training and enjoying it. And Jordan was competing. So it kind of made sense for me to just give it a go. And then after that, you know, took a good few years after um, until I decided to get well not decided to get until I, until I became better at what I did and obviously built the muscle and, and got stronger and stuff and then that's when it my um, sort of physical career I guess um, took off and then is what it is now so that in a nutshell I guess is kind of a really quick fire tour of how I went from there to today. I think one thing that you know, people who are listening that know you, you're very humble about how you know you you are very very strong, and a, a lot stronger than the majority of men in most gyms. And when you get shredded, you get way more shredded than the guys do. Um, and I just think it's phenomenal. And I think that you're certainly a pinnacle for any athlete out there, you know, male or female, that when it comes to work ethic, you've got it. But I know that there'll be athletes out there that are listening and I know that there's no secret, but what, what I've seen from you over the years is I've seen you, you know, I'm a member of your site and I've seen you, you do a show and then, you know, the, it's, it's two weeks have gone and you're like, right, I'm 16 weeks out uh, and it's the next show and it's this bulletproof mindset that is just unfathomable. But what I thought is, you know, where many would fall down you know, can you tell us what separates your mindset from the rest? And if there's athletes out there listening, you know, they're never going to get 
Corin's mindset, but what advice would you give them? Um, yeah, a tough, tough question, I guess. I think it's um, less to do with mindset, maybe, and more to do with the real, genuine want and passion. Because I kind of feel the mindset and the work ethic and the ability to work and adhere follow suit. So, like with anything in life, if, if you really want to be writing this essay because you want to be studying that topic, you're going to do well in that essay because it doesn't then become a chore or even something that you have to think about putting any effort into because you really want it. So, it's kind of less about... I don't think I have... I don't especially... I'm glad that I come across as bulletproof because... I'm incredibly holy, actually, um, and there's a lot of, you know, anxieties and worries and fears, and I'm, I'm not super confident at all. Um, so I think it's less about my mind as such, but more about what I truly want, and I really, I really genuinely enjoyed the process, and I want to better myself, and I, and I need to better myself almost, because... That's what I want to do. This is more than just a hobby for me or, or like a part-time pastime. It's, it really is now my life. And it's I've kind of made some statements, so to speak, you know, about how I want to get that 600 kilo total. And I want that. So there's only one way to get it. So whether my mind decides one day that it's totally freaking out and it's scared of the squat rack, well, I'm still going to get under it. <laughs> so... Totally. I think it comes more down to your passion than trying to adjust your mind because the mind will adjust alongside what you really want. Sure. And I guess in that sense, it's telling people that perhaps for those that are that are maybe thinking, oh, how, do, how would I get the same mindset? They maybe just don't want mm. it as bad as you want it. And I yeah. think that, that comes across when you watch your, yourself, your training videos um, along with Jordan, you could tell that everything you do is just an absolute desire to be better. And that comes across in everything you do because if there was, if I was to look up the definition athlete in the dictionary, I'm sure I would see yeah. your name beside it. <laughs> I, could, I could edit that in, I'm sure. Maybe I should start, <laughs> start doing that. No, no, I don't condone vandalizing books. But, sure. um, so I think, I think from an advice perspective, the advice actually just goes back to the real foundation of make sure you're committing your lifestyle and your goals to something you actually really want. And I think if you're struggling to find the mindset or you're struggling to adhere or, or any of those things, then maybe reevaluate that. And I don't mean that absolutely every single day I get up and I think, car, I feel amazing, like I'm going to go to... Like, yes, I have days where my body feels tired. I, I'd rather just have a lie-in or, or whatever. But I mean, you know, the 99.9% .9 of your time. So I think that's nice to take, is just find something that it doesn't then become an effort to want. And I think that's probably the most... Do that as well, because I, I very much bounce off Jordan's energy. So... You know, when I go into the gym, I really want to get X, Y, and Z on that lift. But equally, like, I really want to impress Jordan. Like, if he's watching, and he's said to me, and he does it deliberately, um, he's, like, training Darren Brown. He's, like, he'll say to me, oh, I think you might get that for five reps today. And I'm thinking, are you joking? Like, 
I kind of, I thought two would be good. And then in my head, I'm thinking, well, if I get two now, he'll think that's crap. So I better actually get five. So it's kind of like really wanting it for yourself, but also training with the right people and being around the right people. Like, so whether that's your partner or your friends or, or, you know, your coach, maybe, maybe that's who you want to impress, but it's just finding that real passion. So that's the advice when it comes to mindset, I think. Uh, Absolutely. And I think one thing I just wanted to to ask you there, because there might be some people out there that have kind of went, Oh, what does a 600 kilo total mean? There'll be people out there that know that, but for the ones that don't, could you just give them a, a little bit of an idea of, of what that sort of 600 kilogram total um, would mean? Would mean? Um, well, from a, a practical point of me and across the three lifts, squat, bench and deadlift, I will total 600 kilos. So that can come from any um, combination of numbers. But it's, uh, for example, like a 240 squat, um, a 130 bench and like a 230 deadlift, that would give me my 600 total. Um, to, on paper, that would also mean that I'd be the first uh, female in UK powerlifting to achieve a 600 kilo total, um, and that would also put me back as being the strongest um, UK female across all federations. Um, and then to me personally, that would just mean, yeah, I'm now that <laughs> I've done it, I can I, I, I can quit powerlifting as a lady. So, I just so yeah, you, there's many meanings to that. Yeah, I just wanted you to say that. Because those numbers are unbelievable. Like if any, like people out there that lift will just like, you know, I, I watched your video with uh, Jordan, you were training legs, I think. Um, and forgive me if I'm wrong, I think you had, was it 185 on the bar or 190? Oh, is that the one where he, he went mental on the uh, Smith? Uh, yeah. That, yeah. That, was, uh, that was my 190, uh, that was my 190 session. Yeah, yeah. And, and you made it look easy. And, and I'm thinking a 600 kilo total, like my stage weight will be 100 kilos. That's six of me. And I, I, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And so ju- just to give the listeners an idea out there of how, how much that is um, and the fact that you're aiming to be, you know, the strongest in the UK ever is fucking unbelievable. And I think that kind of brings me on to my next point that we watch the, the training videos, the, the stuff on Instagram that the people see and, you know, they see you guys training hard and, you know, that video that Jordan was going mental and you're screaming and stuff like that. And I think that, that knowing that the training intensity is up here, people know about that, but athletes that perhaps are thinking, right, well, you know, I aspire, maybe not perhaps to, to be the strongest one in the UK or, or man in the UK, but I want the same sort of muscularity, the strength, the physique. Mm. Could you could you let them know, like, you know, what else should they be focusing on? If there were three key things that you focus on with training that you could give advice on, what would they be? Yeah, so so obviously, as you said, you know you need to have a, a good training plan um, because if your if your training plan isn't optimal, you're not going to gain the, the strength or the hypertrophy hypertrophy that you are aspiring to. But obviously, that aside, sort of three other points, um, it's a tough one. I think, I mean, they sound quite washy to be honest. I mean, there's the obvious, you know, get get your training right, get your diet right, make sure you're recovering, and, and make sure you're you're, you're uh, health and your joints are healthy and able to um, recover and withstand the, the training that you're putting it through. But I think consistency is really probably my number one for everything because nothing at all, however, you know, it may seem on Instagram that things happen really super fast, but nothing happens quickly. 
it, you know, we're in 2020 now, and I, I did my first powerlifting meet in 2012. So it's eight years, you know, as a percentage of my life, that's, that's a really high percentage. It, it hasn't happened fast. So I think if you can be consistent day after day, session after session, that's what you need to be focusing on because you can't just have a week or two weeks or even a month of like really hard training, progressing really well, and then have a month off and then expect to go back and, and surpass it. It's going to take real consistency over a really long period of time to attain what you want. So I suppose consistency is um, the main thing to be focusing on there. Uh, it's, it's obviously adherence, and again, that's just adhering to your lifestyle to make sure all the boxes are ticked. So your sleep, if you're not sleeping properly, if you're not recovering properly, your training is going to suffer. And you might think, well... I feel good for the session and I'm giving the session my all, but your all could be more if you were giving your all your all, you know? So consistency, adherence, I think um, the acceptance that you are going to fail quite a few times before you succeed as well. I think it's, um, we all tend to live in a bit of a rose-tinted world I do with social media and Instagram and stuff because we, I mean, I'm the same. I don't post up when I have a really rubbish session or, you know, when I look super tired or something because that's not what it's there for. So I think bear in mind that you're going to go into the gym and you're not going to achieve what you want to achieve for a long time. And that goes back to consistency. And then that goes back to as well with your competing in, uh, you know, on the stage or in a powerlifting meet, you're going to probably miss a fair chunk of your lifts. You're going to get something wrong. You're going to step on stage and not quite get the look you want. You're probably, you're not going to win every time. You might even last. You might even have a really crap day and have to pull out of a show or pull out of a meet. So just don't think that the end goal is underpinned by all the mini goals. Some of them are going to go wrong. And I think if you can accept that it's going to be a journey and your process a whole lot more enjoyable. And since I've realised that actually the physical winning and being the first place winning trophy, that's actually irrelevant. I might come 10th, but perhaps but I might get 580. And that's still way better than I've ever done before. And then it sets me up for the next time. So accept those things. Make sure you're consistent. Make sure you're adherent. And make sure that your eye on the longer term goal. And I think those are the sort of things to be better in trying to. And what I love that you said, and, and it kind of reiterates what I had a uh, Josh Malley on the podcast last week, um, and he said it, it wasn't for his his clients and his athletes that said that come to him and say, "Oh, I want to win this and I win that." He said, "You know, it's not about placing; it was about being better every single year, um, and eventually, you know, that will come." So I, I just love the fact that you know the future strongest women in the UK ever uh, has said that as well but I think that you, you mentioned there about sort of managing joint pain you kind of said 
was one thing I thought I'd quiz you about because you're training. You're a you're sort of like a dual athlete. You do your power power lifting and and also you you compete in in, in the yeah. bodybuilding realms of things. So with your training, would you say that it's a combination of both? Is it more sometimes suited towards the powerlifting meets? Is it more suited towards a perhaps show? Because um, there'll be some listeners out there that, that see you doing doubles and triples and then they maybe see you do a metabolic set. So I'd be really kind of interested to hear how you train at the moment. Okay, well, um, at, at the, well I haven't actually done a powerlifting meet since um, 2016. So there hasn't been any focus on the three big lifts really for, for quite a period of time than that of that sport so I haven't any sport specific um, and actually for a long time squat and deadlift really weren't very good um, sort of, my has been incredibly weak and I was always risking an injury Yet this year this sort of the last sort of six months is actually the first time I've deadlifted and barbell squatted for years and it's because I took some time back off the three lift and worked on the weaknesses in my chain which were sort of my erector strength um, and my posterior chain strength um, so now we have had the we have had squat and deadlift variations in I've not actually trained um, deadlift yet I've actually done a, a deficit deadlift and a deficit stiff leg deadlift um, so actually as of um, my next pool session, so in two days' time, I'll be putting the deadlift back onto the floor. Um, and with squat, I've been using barbell squat and peak strength and see, see where it levels. But as I get leaner, closer, I'll be doing that at all. I will be, as my body weight drops, it's logical that I'm not going to be out body weight to shift that much weight especially when you get under a squat rack when my waist is coming another inch I literally productive day bit stupid uh, <laughs> and then my joints would at the stage I get leaner I'll just use still very heavy loads but we'll be working nothing lower than a six rep um, and that is typically what I'd advise to anybody really, if they're not trying to do a powerlifting meet, I would always stay with like a five or a six as, as your lowest reps, if you're just going for hypertrophy. Um, because literally, because there's just no need to risk a two or a three rep max. Yes, it's still strength gains. So if your body is quite resilient, go for those triples. But I think you need to bear in mind your goal and just sort of err on the, on the side of court. Um, and then after the after the competition on stage, I will then actually change my training plan because currently I'm doing push pull legs. So after the meet, uh, sorry, after uh, this the stage in line for the meet, I'll be going onto a four day a week plan, which is totally periodized around squat, bench, deadlift. Um, I will will still have the accessory movements in there, um, but it will be focusing on those numbers and it's going to be I think uh, just under 14 weeks between the stage and the platform so it'll be the first week I'll have a bit of a deload get myself get my body weight higher so food will go straight back up nice and high get myself in a position to train real hard 
then I'll switch on to the um, four-day-week plan, which is essentially an upper-lower, um, and it'll be training on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and a Saturday, and then it'll be solely focused on powerlifting. And it's been a while since I've done that, but obviously the goal with the lifting this year is, is pretty high, so I can't, you know, it's all or nothing. Um, so that's that's how we break down break down the training, and, and Jordan does my training for me, and I prefer for him just to tell me what to do, um, because otherwise you, you get into this loop of overthinking. I then I he he tells me my numbers because I'll start to get connections with numbers, and I'll start thinking, oh, that seems heavy, and then all of a sudden mentally it's heavy. Whereas if I don't know about it, and if, if I'm not thinking about it. I'll know it's within my scope. So, yeah, for this powerlifting prep, I'm very much going to be, you know, mind off and just do, and I'm going to let him do the thinking for that one. You're just going to do what you've always done, pretty much. I find that amazing that, you know, 14 weeks after you've stepped on stage straight in a power, power meet. So when it comes to, you know, body weight and powerlifting is obviously mass mm. moves mass, and in bodybuilding we're trying to pull body weight down. So... What's the strategy, you know, for, for anyone listening that kind of wants to do similar in the same year? You know, we know that it's person dependent, but for yourself, how much body weight would you push up for that powerlifting meet? Or would it just be kind of be, uh, not not a peak of an off season, but, you know, would you how much weight would you would you like to put on for that? Um, again, as you said, it's person dependent and, and goal specific. Um, for, um, for this meet, because of, the total that I'm sort of trying to hit, we aren't limiting body weight at all, really. Um, in the past, I've always tried to compete within a category, so I've always been competing around the 70, 70 to 75 kilo mark, um, and I'm, I'm strong there, I'm good there, but we've sort of thought, mm, hang on, if you've got another sort of 10 kilos on you, how much more are you going to lift? Yeah, because yeah. When, you're, when I'm going for the total, I don't care what category I'm doing it in I just want to I want to do it and I want to achieve it so I think um, so for me it's going to be a case of just eat really nice. and um, I'll be on stage around 150 pounds this year I think um, give or take a little bit and I'm hoping to which is about oh, what's that in um, kilos I can't remember. I'll have to get the calculator and divide it by two point two. Um, but I'm looking to compete. I reckon at the meet at probably eighty to eighty-five kilos. So I'm going to be putting on a lot, yeah, a lot of weight there. A good sort of like um, twenty pounds up from stage weight. There, there. A bit, bit more than twenty pounds. But yeah, probably pushing up to like sort of thirty pounds ish. Yeah. yeah, about thirty pounds away. If I can get the weight on, um, which should be too difficult. Like I'm a good. Eater, if like the training output and the sort of the muscle mass allows me to keep adding weight, and stuff's going to feel lighter. So I'm keen. Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting to see because I've not been that heavy for a very long time, very very long time. Because I've not needed to be, um, and I don't particularly like pushing my weight up unnecessarily. And I've always got to about 170 and been mean and comfortable and strong there so i've kind of stopped there really uh, before i've had to sort of come back down again for, for a call so 
that's kind it'll of be that, interesting that, to be in one I was going to say that's going to be kind of exciting go. because it'll be new territory for you if you've never been up at that weight before for so long so I can only imagine how how much stronger you're going to be at that weight now if, if I was to talk about um, yeah. the sort of competing side of things within the bodybuilding world you said that you started off um, as figure and, and you sort of moved up the ranks um, to at this current day you say women's physique is what you're currently competing so what, what I just thought, perhaps give the give the listeners a bit of an idea, because there'll be some listeners out there that are, you know, they'll be competing in some just, uh, whether it's Scottish federations or UK federations, um, but I think a lot of the time they'll they'll see on Instagram that, you know, they'll follow someone and they'll say, oh, they've done well, so I want to go turn pro. Um, and that can sometimes happen, but I think that you, you know, you of all people having been through the ranks probably know the, the realistic view of the difference in standard and size of competitors from, like, let's say a regional show up to uh, a show that you go abroad to do. I know you've competed, um, I think, in Brazil. Was one of the was it Brazil was one of the preps I watched, um, but all over. So I thought if you were able to perhaps give the listeners an idea of just the difference in size and conditioning, maybe, you know, sort of weight... How much how much bigger are these guys and girls abroad the versus in your maybe like a Manchester show or something? Yeah. Um, it's, it's difficult. Actually. It's it's hard because uh, um, obviously there's a big difference between amateur shows and professional shows, and we can all kind of see that ourselves. You know, we've all gone and watched our local regional qualifying and of the Arnolds or the Olympia and I think the the difference there um, it's quite hard to say really because um, the matches to mix I think it's really difficult to print the standard of any one show because you go to a you know a pro qualifier and this standard, nobody really within that show looks um anywhere near the same standard quality, be their condition or or their sizing. So it's it's quite difficult to um to say for definite because it is so variable. Um, in general, obviously, the higher you get up the um the, the muscular, I think in a, in a huge step. often change so much. You can get some. You know, like much smaller amateur guys that reach like off the chart conditioning, but size the pro look. If things is the the condition of the bigger um, with the women in our classes, I'd say it's um as Session usually that improved like, uh, getting to the sort of higher levels and, and more competitive um, like nationals, internationals, pro shows. I think the condition becomes a lot better. Like, you'll go to a lot of amateur shows. Uh, same, for, same for men as well, but I think men with size discretion is sometimes more obvious. Women, and it's more uh, the condition discretion. I think they do more shows, you better. better. And that just comes with time and again consistency. So I think as you as you creep up the ranks, you do notice that the condition is better. Um, I was quite surprised when I did my first IFBB. Uh, um, never seen like delts like yet. Like they looked crazy. 
It was amazing. I, <laughs> I didn't like it. Um, so when I first came out of the amateur pool into the, the pro pool, I was kind of like, oh, I need to go away and do a little bit more growing here. Um, so that was a huge step up, a huge difference. But I think another thing to note as well is kind of structure. Um, obviously, the, the people that uh, turn pro or become more elite in their the field, they tend to uh, naturally have better structure to, to their physiques. Um, now, I'm not one or use genetics as any kind of excuse, but we can't ignore it in those top those top level rankings. Like, if you look at top Olympia girls in bikini figure women's physique, the structure of their bodies is borderline absurd it's beautiful they have these absolutely teeny tiny waists these bubbly delts these sweepy quads and obviously they've worked really hard to attain that too that you go you get to the point where you realize there's no length to which i could work that would be able to change my bone structure yeah. um so that's another thing that becomes very evident as well that in the amateurs or, or the lower level comps you don't often see people that are so structurally well put together and then obviously they're the ones that persist through time and get awarded um, and become the very best in the world and there's very few people that will be the very best in the world um, so so yeah like, I'm not really sure I've answered that because it's a tough one but I think I think sort of going if you are competing and you're just starting to compete and you are turning up to your local regional it doesn't really matter what stage you're on because the goal is still the same. So still bring the mass you have. You obviously can't be bigger than you are in that moment. Uh, bring that, bring the best condition you possibly can. Bring the best presentation, the best posing. And then from there, you can compare yourselves. Go again, if you want to, of course, and work on the bits that maybe the girl next to you is better at or, or the guy next to you is better at. You know, if their condition was a bit better, learn how to get into better condition or, or if it was really a lot of size that you needed then put the time in to add that size and then go back and compare and we all started everybody starts at the bottom and works their way up like that's literally a fact of life i think um so it's don't be intimidated by that or don't sort of undermine where you're at within your competitive career because it's told to be right at the bottom because there's only one place that you're going to go if you really want to. Um, so it's a hard question to answer. And I hope that's kind of answered it a bit. hundred percent. I just wanted to perhaps, the listeners, you know, you mentioned that you did your first powerlifting meet in 2012. When was the first time you stepped on stage thereafter yeah. to, 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 to obviously, is it 10 weeks out? You're nine weeks out right now? Uh, what I, yeah, nine, nine weeks out. Yeah. Um, uh, Actually, I think it was 2011 was my first powerlifting meet because 2012 was the first time I stepped on stage. Okay. So it was the end of 2011, uh, once I'd been training for about a year, and then 2012 was the first time I stepped on stage. Yeah, and there was about um, probably about seven-ish months between between the two. Um, but obviously when I first stepped on stage, I didn't have very good condition. I, I didn't have very much muscle, like... Like I just presented what I could present at the time, and it and it was it was all right. Like I didn't, I didn't win. I think I came I didn't place in one show, and I came third in another show. So 
it, it, I was happy with what I did. Um, so yeah, it was 2011 powerlifting and 2012 was the first stage. So again, I think it just emphasises time that obviously now you are a professional in, in the IFBB yeah. um, and it's you've sort of built that over the course of eight, nine years, which is which is phenomenal. I guess one thing I wanted to pick your brain about and some people will be listening is that you've got a very specific goal with powerlifting and that 600 kilo marker, but there's maybe someone out there thinking, have you yeah. got uh, a goal in mind for competing in, in the sort of physique category? category for for women is is there something you want to attain is the olympia up there is that what we're we're thinking because i know you were perhaps went trying to get in the arnold's and i'm thinking right the next leap up from that so what's the big goal for for that well the thing is i would absolutely love to one day get to the olympia stage and i'm totally cool with getting there and standing at the back that is fine like i'm not i'm not that would just be such a a cool achievement because obviously it's like pinnacle whether as it's such a subjective sport and getting there is it's, it's difficult obviously like everything's difficult but it all has to be like I, I the chance of me ever winning a pro show in women's physique is like minimal like <laughs> sub 10% so I'm never going to really win and make it to the Olympia so I'd have to do it by accruing points and then by doing that I'd have to place really quite high in a, probably about four shows. So again, it then comes down to, are there four shows that I can do? Is my body going to look very good for four almost consecutive shows? Am I going to get enough points still, even if I do those four shows? So there's a lot of question marks about it. So it's kind of like I've come to the realisation that if I try as hard as I possibly can and don't, ever make the Olympia, that's totally okay with me. As far as along the way, I've placed placed well in pro shows and I've looked better and better every time. But you're lying if I said I didn't want to get to the Olympia. That, it, that's the ultimate. Yeah. So I will, I'm going to try as hard as I possibly can over the next couple of years to get there. But, you know, if I haven't made it by, I don't know, 20, I will probably have to hang up hang up my bikini and just kind of um, admit that it's been good, but I'm not going to get there. I think, so, yeah, I, so that is the goal, I guess. I think anyone listening knows that if anyone can get there, it's you with your work ethic and, and what you guys do and, and watching, um, like, before I go train legs, like, I watched that video of you and Jordan training and, uh, yeah, when he just, like, unleashed there, like, I felt bad. I thought, oh, because you were doing his, I think you were doing his belt up and yeah, yeah. then he went and I was like whoa Like the energy must be amazing but it's it's so inspiring for myself who's a coach and I've followed you guys and I listened to you guys talk in Scunthorpe earlier on this year that um, I just get pumped oh, yeah. I just get pumped watching you and, and being around you and I think that you yourself and Jordan have really set the standard for like what training fucking hard means and what it is it's what you guys are about it's what your brand's about and you know you wear that your heart on your sleeve and I think that anyone that like I wear your t-shirts when I train because well I know that means I've got to train really fucking hard do you get what I'm saying so I just wanted to add that in there that there'll be plenty of people out there that say 
the Olympia is what they want to do and where they want to get to, but with very little application of the work that's needed to get there. And I just wanted to say from, from me and anyone listening that we would all be behind you. Now, I'm definitely going to try. <laughs> that's so what I'm going to do. <laughs> if we were to stick with the sort of the, the bodybuilding industry right now or the, the bodybuilding scene, competing scene, um, I asked you this in, in an email and I thought it'd be, it was a really interesting topic for us to talk about. And I'd said, you know, did you see anything quote-unquote wrong within the industry at the current moment? Um, and we'd sort of talked about guys and female training and that was the one thing that you'd said that you thought was perhaps wrong so I just wanted you to give the listeners a, a bit of an idea um, of sort of what your thoughts were behind that I, I, you know that quote that a barbell doesn't know whether you're a, a guy or a girl will stay in here forever <laughs> so I just wanted to give you the listeners a bit of an idea of what your thoughts are on that um, I just think I mean I often get asked um, as I'm sure you do as well that if you know, oh, I, I want my girlfriend to start, um, or my girlfriend started training. What shall I do? Well, the same. Like I, I think it's very. Um, we live in a world where we want equality with everything, and you know, that that's cool, rightly so. And so, why should we try to differentiate between? our differences when we're in a training environment like I'm not ignoring the physiology that that obviously there are physical differences between man and woman I I get it I know I've read the literature and I understand it but you know when we're in the gym we're all in there for the same goal and and fundamentally we create the train the same and we we get stronger and and we grow by doing the same thing to our muscles and and our bodies so I kind of just don't believe that we should sort of set limitations or differences in that way because I feel that it can kind of give the what women should do x they should do lots of work for example because that would be a common one and men don't need to do that well actually when I sort of watch shows the guys have incredible glutes so (laughs) Where's the difference? Like, do they not need to train glutes or, or what? Or are they allowed to train them through compounds, but women should use isolation? I just find it a little bit backwards thinking in many ways. And, and again, I'm not ignoring ignoring um, the, the fact that we, depending on our class that we compete in, that there's going to be different aesthetic elements that we need to concentrate on more. I do totally get that. And of course, with my clients and with myself, we do home in on certain areas. For example, I do a lot more um, upper chest work and I don't actually do any sort of flat chest work because as a female competitor, I don't actually need a very developed lower chest. Um, So that's not what I'm saying here, but the the mentality and the mindset and the sort of um, aggression to bring to the gym with those sets training to failure, I think should just be the same for absolutely everybody um, if that's how you want to train, of course. So I kind of don't... I don't believe in, in making excuses, I guess. And if someone said to me, okay, well, your powerlifting mate falls at the uh, latter end of your menstrual cycle, uh, so actually, you're going to be quite vulnerable in that. <laughs> um, I would probably, what, should I ask them to reorganise the meet? Like, to sit with the, you know, the cycle a little bit better? Like, it's kind of, when I think of things like that, it, it kind of makes me laugh, because nobody's going to be making an excuse about that in... Yeah in competition so why are you saying that half of the month every month that 
you're not strong. Like it, it that that's what I don't quite understand. Uh, and again, I you know I'm I'm not right about many things, and I don't know everything about everything. Um, but I have done reading, um, you know, training through every single day of the year. So I know that if you don't want to create that limitation, then don't. And I think I've always trained with uh, men. So obviously Jordan was my first training partner, and now obviously um, Joe Ballinger, who's um, an athlete on the site. He um, he lives locally, so we often train with him, and we've got he's got no problem at all doing a session with me, even if Jordan's not there, like, that's just the way it is. And I kind of, the minute I step into that session, nobody really has a gender. Nobody really has um, a, a career or, or anything. We're both just in there to do what we're going to do in that moment. So nothing else really matters. And I think that that's possibly one way that I've managed to get strong is that as unrealistic as it sounds, because I've always trained with Jordan and he's deadlifting like, 340 or something in my head i'm thinking 200's crap because i'm chasing <laughs> and obviously i'm well aware i'm never going to do 340 but i've always kind of trained who's setting these numbers that are ridiculous so i've almost kind of lost um reality about the numbers that i should be hitting and i kind of think by removing that mental limitation of you're strong for a woman has really helped me to get stronger because nobody's calling me a woman. Nobody's putting me in a bracket or putting a little cup over the totals I should be achieving because I'm training with the guys and I'm comparing myself to them. Yeah. So I, I just feel like, not necessarily just with gender, but just with everything, we shouldn't limit ourselves by a, a belief or a social norm. We should just do what we set out to do. I think that example you just gave should kind of be one of the reasons why I think like men and women should train together more because for as much as like you just said you've gotten so strong well in regards to body weight when I train with like a high level competitor they kick my ass like <laughs> they, they do like I'm looking at the hack squad they got like double body weight on there and I'm going like that fuck, they're, they're doing that for like 20 reps and I'm gassed after 10, not even at double. So like, it kind of makes me better. And I think that intrinsically, I'm like, well, fuck, I need up my game because I can't I can't be made to look weak, right? And it's it's probably a rub, rubbish psychology thing, but whatever it does, it works. And I just think that what you've said and how strong you've gotten based on the environment you've situated yourself in, should be something that if there's if there's women out there if there's guys out there thinking we want to up, up our game here we want to get a bit stronger then train together it's, it's as simple as that so um, I'm well aware of time but and one question I always ask every single guest um, and it, it just doesn't need to be within the powerlifting scene or the bodybuilding scene it can be anything any experience in life would you tell me what your sort of biggest lesson is you've learned to date, what you took from it, and if from that experience there was someone out there you could give advice to, what would that be? That is such a hard question. I think the biggest lesson I've learned over time, like I said, it's not specifically to do with um, the industry, it is basically just to be brave enough to be yourself. Be who you are be who you want to be and 
people will always accept that and if someone doesn't quite like you for whatever reason it's, it's much better to be true to yourself and to your friends and it's really really difficult to live this false life and I think a lot of us do really because we live behind Instagram and stuff and, and perhaps to um, kind of put out this uh, personality that isn't ever really us and I kind of find that quite sad that you, you just see people mimic other people and it's not really them and I, I think I've just learned that you know we've all done it but you know as we grow up we really we think oh, cool we can copy them etc etc but it never pays off it, it never lasts it becomes and I think that when the moment I've realized that actually I am and, and um, I'm never going to be the most attractive woman in the room or person in the world but once you've really accepted who you are just become a lot more content and a lot of you're trying to achieve whatever you're trying to portray it's a kind of and think you need to be someone you're not because you, you do um, I think that's a great thing and earlier on I saw on your Instagram um, I think you said um, today please be yourself and, and that kind of resonates with everything that you that you just said there and I think it's a good uh, it's a good reflection of you know who you who you are as a person because you know I, I'll know you as the is the lady that trains really fucking hard and is stronger than me and and is you know stronger than the boys and gets conditioned than the boys, but um it also just shows shows like how real you are, which is class. Um, what I wanted to do is just for anyone out there listening that perhaps has been living under a rock and doesn't know how to get in touch with you, um, I thought it'd be a good opportunity for you to to lay down your. So our website www.trainedbyjp.com and from that you'll be able to on Instagram my name is C-A-I and, and that's not because my name is Kai that's just because that's what my name is yeah that's the best way to contact us so if you uh, so if you have a search on there you'll be able to find us and then look at the site for other information that really in a nutshell, really. Vaughan, myself, Jordan, and everyone at Trinity by JP, give it the beam.